This episode is sponsored by ProVital Solutions. Yeah, I just became obsessed with it. And that whole summer of 2016, I ate Whole30. I I could tell you exactly what I ate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner um, for literally three months straight. Mm -hmm. Did not veer from it. Um, I did flywheel three times a week. I did Legree two times a week. And then I worked out with a trainer twice a week. So I literally had no days off and I would do yoga in the evening after work because I worked with people that, you know, were much older, mostly in their 40s and 50s. And so they didn't really care what I was doing or going to happy hour with me. So um, it just basically gave me an out to kind of be like super introverted. And I got obsessed with like eating perfectly. And I was like, I was like, wow, my body finally looks how I've always wanted it to, you know, super lean. I mean, I was a size double zero though. Mm. And I mean, and at the time I didn't think I was small. I, you know, like I just thought I looked normal. Yeah. But if you look at pictures at me of me, I mean, I'm 10% body fat and I'm five, three for reference, but 10% body fat. I was like a hundred pounds. I mean, so tiny, which is so dangerous for a female. So dangerous. Didn't have a period for years. I'm Megan Armstrong. Welcome to Life Six Feet Above. Six Feet Above was created when I started to share my story of spending 16 years wanting to be six feet under to now living a life full and happy six feet above. The more that I started to talk about my journey, my struggles and my past, the more I realized people were genuinely interested and not judgmental at all, which is what I'd feared for so long. In fact, Other people wanted to talk about their story as well, and for some reason they trusted me to do so. So the Six Feet Above podcast is my way of helping to share other people's stories, finding out what works for them to create a life of happiness. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know it has some explicit language and some very serious subject matter. It may be triggering or sensitive to certain people. Please listen with discretion. This is Sarah's story. So episode 21 of the Six Feet Above podcast, I am actually with a coworker and her name is Sarah Brown, but recently Sarah Lederberg. So congratulations on (laughs) your wedding. I think you got the last good weekend before COVID or before quarantine. We really did. I was um, talking today to someone and telling them I got married on March 7th, literally before shit hit the fan. Um, and I don't watch the news just because like I'm an anxious person yeah, and yeah. I just I don't want to get involved in all yeah. that. So <laughs> I don't I didn't even know COVID was a thing. Corona, whatever. Right, and right. then we kind of had, you know, like a little welcome party or just like some friends get together Friday night before the wedding. And everyone's like, are you nervous about COVID and all this? And I had a friend she flew in from like Dubai and everything. And I was like, what's COVID? Like, why is everyone freaking out? And luckily, we didn't plan a honeymoon right after because my husband's like, I cannot take a month off of work. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I guess I really can't either. But um, uh, we did like a mini moon and yeah. we stayed at a hotel that's um, kind of known for conventions, but um, down in South Florida. So all these groups had canceled and we got upgraded like crazy. And I was like, wow, this must be like a legit thing. <laughs> but it worked out in my favor. I had like three bathrooms in our room. So it would be right, gr- right. good. But um. Yeah, I um my sister-in-law's wedding got canceled when my best oh, friend's no. wedding. I mean, we have like six weddings now in 2021 between like March and July. Oh my so it's going to be a super busy 
super busy spring. Well, let's just pray that we're back to normal by then. That's true. Yes. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, you you definitely got the the last good. I remember when you got married. I'm like, I think this is the last good weekend. There's one more weekend after that. It was yeah. like the 14th. Yes. Um, I was actually talking to somebody about that yesterday, and um, but it was back when we still called it Corona. I think like it was, and we were like, like making fun of it. We're yeah. like Corona and Lyme. Yeah. Like you know yeah. what is Literally. this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if only we had known then what yeah. we do now. Gosh, For the world sure. is a different place. So you are from Florida, from Maryland, from Maryland, actually, yeah. but you grew up mostly in Florida or well, I grew up. So sp- did high school, everything in Maryland. You did. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so we just kind of had this house in Florida, big golfer growing up, thought I'd play professionally. I was like, I'm never going into corporate. I'm never yeah. going to really quote unquote work. Right. Um, and you know, my dad led me to believe like you can, and my parents were very supportive. Um, so they were like, you know, you can do this, like everything. Um, in the end, I think it came down to performance anxiety, but, um, (laughs) we'll get to 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 that. that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so grew up in Maryland. Um, and then I think in 2013, 2012, it's like my sophomore year of college. Uh Um, my parents made Florida permanent because my mom, um, and dad both had businesses in Maryland. And if you're familiar with Maryland, um, it's an expensive state. Is Ta- it? Oh, super. Let's, I mean, it's, you know, kind of almost the Northeast. Yeah. So yeah, taxes and yeah. stuff. And my parents were like, we're going to retire. You know, it's just, we're just spending a bunch of money we don't need to be spending. So why don't we sell everything? They just moved to Florida. And my parents are 40 and 50 years older than me. Okay. Um, so I'm a second marriage for my dad. Um, I'm his third kid, but my mom's only kid. Okay. Um, so I have older parents. So they just wanted to retire, get down to Florida. Um, so I guess for the past seven years, I've spent all my time in Florida when I go home. So that's why I was thinking. I'm like, yes, always everyone's, Florida. everyone's always like, you're from Florida, right? I'm like, sure. <laughs> like to kind of you're like, actually, no, very different. Yeah. But it's funny because I think since I was like 14, um, I've spent pretty much all my time in Florida that I had off on school breaks because mm-hmm. I went to a private school. My mom was like, the more you pay, the less you go. Cause I had like a month off for like Christmas, right. two weeks at spring break. Right. So it worked out in my favor for golf because I could take the time when it was cold in Maryland, go down to Florida, play golf. And I traveled across the world uh, for tournaments and stuff. Wow. So yeah, it was kind of crazy. I feel like sometimes, I mean, it's one of the best sports I think, but yeah, I was also a really good lacrosse player growing up and kind of made the choice just to do golf. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I had played lacrosse because I kind of thrive in that team aspect Mm -hmm. and I'm already an only child. And I feel like golf just made me a little bit more introverted than I needed to be. Right. Right. Um, But I mean, I made great friends growing up in junior golf and stuff. And, and of course in college, um, but we didn't have like a women's golf team in high school. Right. So I played with the guys, which was great. You know, <laughs> I was good friends with them. Went to prom a lot. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, come to, with prom to me. Yeah. But um, so, um, yeah, it's kind of my backstory, I guess. Okay. You know, so from Maryland, then went to school in, uh, at Mercer and Macon for okay. golf. Okay. Um, thought I was going to go to South Florida. That kind of fell through. But um, went to school in Mercer and honestly hated it my freshman year and then ended up loving it really and then that's kind of how I chose Atlanta after because when I went home my dad was like well if you don't want to play golf anymore like you need to go get a job and I was like oh (laughs) where do I want to go so Atlanta was kind of that natural move gotcha gotcha (laughs) so when you grew up in Maryland you have your dad already has kids 
Yes. So how much older are they than you? Yes. So this is interesting. My dad had his first kid at 19. Wow. Yep. And my dad was born in 1944. So he, he's old. He's 76. I'm literally trying to do the math. Yeah, I know. Really quick. I know. Yeah. So he, okay. Um, this past Saturday just turned 76. So he's 48 years older than okay. me, about 50 yeah. years. But, um, so, um, he has first kid at 19, his second one, I think at 26. So if I can do the math and I have to be honest, this kind of gets, this is a long winded answer, I feel like, and it gets into kind of my family dynamics, sure. but, um, I mean, I've only met them once in my life. Really? Mm-hmm. So it's just an, it's just an interesting, you know, sometimes when a parent remarries, um, the kids just don't always gel and right. there was some, right. you know, kids kind of tend to go with their mom and, um, I don't think it was a good divorce. Yeah. I don't, I really don't even know a ton of backstory. I don't even know their mom's name. Like, like you've never ha- had a conversation with your dad about it. Kind of. I remember he sat me down probably at like 13 being like, so you have like two siblings. Real, so you didn't know until 13 basically. Something like that. And I mean, I, maybe 13 is an exaggerated answer. Maybe it's like nine, 10. Yeah. I just, I can't really remember, older. but I was older yeah. and, um, but, um, so they weren't really in my picture growing up. So I really truly was an only child, but, um, so they're a lot older. And so my dad's actually a great grandfather at this no point way. because they kind of, uh, I think my sister had a kid around 1920. Okay. Um, and my dad, kind of, I vaguely remember my dad saying that he had tried to tell her, you know, she does have options with, mm. you know, and I think as a woman, you're kind of like, well, I don't want a man telling me what I can right, and can't do. Right. But he's speaking from experience because exactly. he was 19. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she just, he just saw her potential and he put a lot of effort, time and money into his, those kids. I remember. Um, and I had kind of a different upbringing than they did too. Sure. Um, so I think they kind of, there was some resentment there. Sure. Um, so, and then, so she had her first daughter and then her daughter, I think, has recently had a few kids. So wow. they have kids pretty young. <laughs> yeah. But you so really don't have any no, correspondence not, not with them. Not a huge. I mean, yeah. I'm like Facebook friends with them. Did they come to your wedding? No. no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, um, yeah, it's very interesting you know? so for all intents and purposes we'll just say you're an only child yeah <laughs> yeah De- definitely an only child yeah and I- which which makes sense like you know and and granted this is this is seeing you from the outside like yeah Sarah and I met um a few years ago I actually trained her at our former employer or former uh job called Sculpt House and now we recently are working together yes. again at Stat Wellness which is a functional medicine and movement facility on the west side. Um so we work together as trainers there but you know when I first met you I always got this sense that you were very close to your mom and the more that I've talked to you mm-hmm. the more that it makes sense. Yeah. Um that we are very so I'm also an only child. Yeah. But we're very similar and very different at the same time. Like mm-hmm. you're super close to your mom it seems like from yeah. the outside. I definitely but, am. But yeah. I I not I was not growing up. Like I did not like my parents. I'm, yeah, so I will say growing up my mom, I mean, it was like World War Three in our house. Yeah. Okay, so maybe we are yeah. very similar. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, I think one time our neighbors almost called the cops because they were nervous because we were yelling at each other so loudly. And we lived on, um, so I'm from Annapolis, Maryland, so we lived on the uh, Severn River there, um, so, which is like a, goes right out to the Chesapeake right. Chesape- Chesapeake Bay. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> um, but um, so the noise carried a lot. So um 
yeah, it was, it was, we had a tense household growing up. So what was it, what was the dynamic like with your, with your parents? Was it, for me, it was very, um, I felt very suffocated Mm -hmm. growing up. I felt like I could not do anything without them not knowing and, you know, became a a very good liar. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So I think because I had older parents Mm -hmm. and my dad had experience with two kids that were uh, just like a little crazy, I guess you could say. Um, And what teenager isn't crazy, but I mean... I think there was just a lot of stuff that was, you know, I don't think that was a super stable household. Mm -hmm. And so I think my dad, you know, seeing that and having raised kids like that, he, my, he, my dad was strict. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, I mean, there's times in growing up, like I haven't told Kevin a lot of stuff, you know, just, and I think I just like suppress it because I don't think about it because I'm like, it's not relevant is anymore. It, is, do you feel embarrassed? Uh, yes. Yeah. And it's so funny. I feel like, and we'll get into like my past and stuff, but like, I feel like 2020 is like a year I have just been kind of like woken up again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm just coming back to myself again. And it's like, I feel, and it's almost like COVID gave me time to like, I'm an overanalyzer and I will think about things I have said to people from like years ago. <laughs> and I was like, and so I feel like I'm just thinking about my childhood and stuff. And it's like, sometimes I almost have resentment to how I was raised mm-hmm. because um, I feel like I didn't have like that freedom. Mm-hmm. I felt really suppressed. And it was like, well, you're not going to sleepovers because we have golf and it makes you really tired. And I mean, now I understand we'd stay up till two eating God knows what and right. drinking. But and all you that missed kind of out stuff. on being a kid. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like my parents didn't give me the leeway to kind of make mistakes right. and then learn from them. Right. And then it's like, I went to college and it was like, Oh, free for all, yeah. you know, gain 40 pounds and like right. ate, drank everything, you know? And so I always was kind of thankful. I didn't go to like a huge school. Cause I'm like, yeah. I don't know what would have happened yeah. there. Yeah. I could tell you um, what would happen. I went to yeah. Syracuse. I know <laughs> yeah. exactly what happened. <laughs> I don't think I would have made it out of freshman year, but, um, so I just felt like you said, and almost embarrassed too. Yeah. And I remember like not wanting to have friends over. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because we had a house, like my mom's very type A. So mm-hmm. like you, there was no kid friendly anything in our house. Yeah. You know, she's an artist. So like it's very much to show off her art and have nice stuff and whatever. So like there wasn't a huge amount of space either. Right. Cause like our whole third floor was my parents' bedroom. I had a whole wing of the house cause there was only three of us. So we didn't need to have like four or five bedrooms yeah. in our home necessarily so I just felt like growing up too it was just like I didn't have space to bring friends over I was almost embarrassed with like how my family dynamic was and how things were growing up so um, were you embarrassed at the time or you this is all like in hindsight I think it's in hindsight because now I know what I was feeling got it but I didn't know what I was feeling at that moment what did your dad do so my dad owned like the most random thing he owned a book bindery really in, in Baltimore yeah um he was just like I figured something that could make you know a decent yeah. amount of money so um he owned that and then we also um actually had a I will say overall had a great childhood right yeah yeah but um he also owned um I don't know how some viewers will take this or listeners but uh, a hunting business in South Africa okay um but nothing you know, we're not poachers or anything, right. you know, you need to control the wildlife, which I don't right. think people necessarily understand sometimes. So he owned a hunting business over there with a business partner. 
Um, so I'd go to South Africa a lot and I grew up hunting and right. doing all that too. And, um, so my dad traveled all the time, taking clients to South Africa. He's gone hunted in like Antarctica. I mean, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Really? Um, yeah. He would take you on trips too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't gone to Antarctica cause I don't think I would last doing something <laughs> like that camping, but, um, but yeah, so I grew up going to South Africa a few times. Yeah. Um, so, uh, at the time, though, I was like, why can't we just go to Florida like every other kid? Right. And because um, we'd go to like the bush. So, I mean, like it wasn't like, I mean, it was nice, but yeah. it wasn't like super, super nice. So, right. um, yeah, it was uh, I just had like a different childhood, I think, than like that typical. And I grew up in a very, you know, suburban, right. you know, well off Pri- community. Yeah, yeah, very much. And um, so I think I just knew from the start I was different and I almost and I don't have any resentment necessarily but at the time I think I resented my parents for like not you know just staying on the same path as everybody else not allowing you to be a kid yeah and I hear like I I, you know I hear a lot of almost hesitation in your voice to Mm -hmm. like say some of the stuff which is totally normal I feel like this is a good therapy session for me (laughs) everyone leaves whenever like when I'm walking people out the door I they look at me and they're like that was like the best one hour of therapy ever. I'm like, this is what I'm here for. And yeah. I, I think it's because I've been through so much in my life and I, I feel like I can kind of read people and like I, I get this feeling from them and I still very much feel that you are dealing with a lot of the stuff that yeah. you went through. And like you say, you're you're finding yourself again, but I actually think you're discovering it almost for the first time. Yeah, that, right. Yeah, that's probably a better way to say it for sure. And we, you know, we'll we'll dive into this too. But we talked about you know, you coming back to work after COVID and, and Corona and all the stuff and and quarantine and and just having the anxiety of like, where do I go? What do I do next? And I guess speaking as like not not even to say like a boss a coworker, a mentor somebody yeah. that I've worked with you before I could feel the anxiety and we just had an honest conversation that's like it's okay it's okay to take some time yeah. it's okay to feel the way that you're feeling and I think the same way that we talked about that is how we can talk about your childhood yeah because here's the thing like we didn't have a choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. The way we were raised is the way we were raised. Yeah. And I always say what happened to you is, is not your fault, but what you do with it is your responsibility. Yeah. So seeing you now really kind of dealing with it head on, and this is what 20 years later, right. Yeah. Um, kind of dealing with it now and understanding like we are the way that we are as adults because of a lot of the stuff that we went through as kids. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to some people that went through really extreme situations. Like Kim Shaper came on right. and talked about the, the so abuse and, yeah. and sexual abuse from her grandfather. And it's like, she's still de- dealing with it today at 40 years old. Yeah. But she's taken the steps and, and, you know, done the work to realize like, this isn't my fault that this happened to me. It sucks that it happened to me, but what I do with it and how I let it affect the rest of my life is on me. Yeah. Right. So just being able to kind of like compartmentalize and and separate that out and know that you just, you know, you saying that about your dad and how some people will take it. Like, you know what I say? Fuck it. Yeah. That's that's, (laughs) You had no, you had no choice. You were a kid and that's what your dad did. And you know, right, wrong, indifferent. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. It's, um, 
I th- and like you said, I think I'm almost sometimes like embarrassed to talk about it. And it's not like I had any kind of extreme right issues growing right. up, you know, like right. Kim did, you know. Right. And sometimes I feel like, well, why would I complain? Like I had a really great life, exactly. you know. And yeah, but they're just things too. And alcohol is a big issue in my family. And really, I mean, I rarely talk about it. Um, you know, and um, is that with your dad or mom? It's with my dad. dad. Yeah. Um, it's hard, you know, and I was so, I don't want to say embarrassed, but I really kind of was growing up. I mean, like there are some things I remember and like, I would have friends over and it's like, I can't imagine my mom though, you know, like I'm sure she was like, she was embarrassed of other parents learning that out about her husband, you know? And it's like, it's hard to watch. And I know so many people have an alcoholic parent or Mm -hmm. aunt, uncle, whatever, or, you know, drug addictions. It's so common. Yeah. But, um, it is so hard to like watch someone go through that. And it's like, sometimes I wish my dad would just do a whole 30. I'm like, you would feel so great if he did that. (laughs) But he was like, I'm never doing that. But, um, does he still struggle today? Yes, he does. So, um, I think I talked to you about, um, when he had really early when COVID hit, he had like his fourth stroke um mm. and it's alcohol induced yeah um he had his first stroke i think 2008 2009 when you're a business owner and the world's falling apart right so he was like very under a lot of stress so sure, um sure. i think that caused the first one but um i mean it, it's tough you know and it's hard to talk to someone who does struggle with alcohol you yeah. know it's they almost feel embarrassed and i feel like with that generation too they don't want to change like Mm-mm. they learned that like this is the way I was raised to eat. Like, this is how I do it. And, and my dad was born in the forties. And so like, he was also raised with like the woman does the cooking and Mm -hmm. cleaning Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I mean, I literally don't know how my mom did it. Like she ran a business, she was traveling the world for it and like had dinner on the table and granted she had some help for me because she couldn't take me everywhere, but like she still cooked dinner and she had parents dying of cancer And she's like, I had like eight speeding tickets in like three months because she was like, (laughs) I was crazy. And, um, she was like, I just kind of blacked out for like five years. She was like, it was fine, but I got it done. Um, survival mode. Yeah. Survival mode. And, and it's hard because like my mom, she can't necessarily come and visit all the time. And like we did take a really good girls trip to California this past um, year, but the whole time I think she's really nervous of leaving my dad alone Mm. because what if he wakes up in the middle of the night, had a stroke, you know, or a seizure, um, drinks too much and falls. I mean, it's just, she can't really enjoy herself. She can't. And I can, and I know it's so hard to watch my mom and she talks to me a lot because Mm -hmm. I'm really kind of her. Um, I mean, we're best friends now. Yeah. And we've really come back like a full 180 from where I was when I was 16. Um, but, um, so you know, I'm her sounding board. And sometimes I have to be like, mom, I'm not your best friend. I still am your daughter. And like, he's still my dad and I love him. And like, I never really talk about it with Kevin, even who's my husband, Kevin. I never really talk about it with him because I don't want, and my dad is a great guy. I mean, he is like mayor of whatever club he's at playing golf, right? You know, like everybody loves him and he really is nice and patient with everybody else, but his family. But, um, (laughs) he, uh, he struggles with drinking and I never want Kevin. He saw something this past time we were down there. I guess it was 
late April this past year when we were visiting during like COVID. But um, uh, he saw something and he mentioned to me, he's like, wow, I never really understood it until I saw that. And I was like, I love you, but please don't tell me that next time, you right. know, because right. I just don't want him to see him in a bad light. Right. Because he really right. is. I mean, he wants everything for me and everything for people around him. Well, and I also think, and correct me if I'm wrong because I've never been married. Yeah. Um, but I also think you want to say to him, like, please don't love me less because that's my family. A hundred percent. Right. Yep. And I don't want him to be like, I just don't. And then Kevin knows that I, I don't drink a ton. I think because I've seen how Mm -hmm. my dad acts, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, I just don't want that for my kids. Not that I don't drink, but, um, I don't know. I just don't know if I would become addicted to it. And it's something that runs in the family. Sure. You know, there's multiple people in our family that do have issues with alcohol. So, and I already had kind of addictive behavior with like my disordered eating. So I don't know if it would kind of take on its own life with that. Right. But again, like you're a hundred percent on, like, I don't want Kevin and he would never, but I just always going to be in the back of your head because that's always what you've thought your whole life. Exactly. And it's, it's hard. And it's so hard to watch my dad go through this because it's like, I want him to be able to teach our kids how to play golf Mm -hmm. and I want him to be around. And like, I know he's always like, I have about 10 years left. I'm like, why are you saying this? Like, you know, like, don't have you ever, have you ever talked to him? I think I need to, but I think I'm scared too. So I wonder if you could approach it, um, not necessarily like, cause I think sometimes when we talk to somebody about their addiction or the behavior, yeah, it's very, um, it's like scolding Yes. versus like, I love you so much that I just, I just want, want you to be help, yeah. healthy and I want you to be around for my kids and I want them to see you because he's going to have to make the conscious decision and he may or may not at 76 yeah. to change his ways. Um, not necessarily because someone's telling him to, yeah. but for an, an, an emotional attachment. Like when, when I talk to people about you know, losing weight or getting into the gym. I'm like, don't do it because you're trying to fit into a size four for your wedding. Right. Cause what happens a day after your wedding? Yeah. You know, gonna, game on. Yeah. But if you do it for an, an, a really significant emotional attachment and, and really figuring out, okay, like, like my dad, you know, he works out still to this day mm-hmm. because he wants to be strong. He wants to, um, grow into a 90 year old body and like he just has a different mentality yeah but I see I know exactly where it comes from he was a fat kid like Mm -hmm. he was made fun of at 13 like all of this stems from his childhood yeah and so there's an emotional attachment for him and the way it makes him feel right differently now like he doesn't do it for anyone else yeah but again it's it's like an an alcoholic you cannot tell them to do something until they're ready to do it themselves just like mental health, just yeah. like eating disorders, and it, just like all these things yeah. that we deal with. And it's, and my dad was a smoker and my mom said, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to have a kid, like you need to right. cut that out. And he like hypnot or uh, hypnotosis, hyp- hypnotized, hypnotized, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just <laughs> making up words. Every- <laughs> School is never my thing. No, hypnosis. hypnosis. Yeah, there we go. You. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this is why we're fitness instructors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, he, quit smoking by that so like I mean he literally tried everything and my dad's not into woo-woo stuff right you know so like I know that he's able to have that self-control and like you know make himself better you know but um I just know what he's doing to his body you know and it's like 
you're killing yourself early, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. not fair to your family. Like is my mom who's vibrant and she does Legree like five times a week at core yeah. evolution. Yeah. So, um, you know, and she's 67, about to be 68 in September, you know? And, yeah. um, so it's hard and they have that, you know, eight, nine year age difference. So, yeah. um, it's kind of like showing through right now. Right. And, but I guess it's a good, you know, for, for people listening, it's a, it's a good lesson in the fact that we are only responsible for our own lives and what we bring to the table. And it's unfortunate when you want something so bad for someone else, but the more that you stress about it, it's not going to change anything. Yeah. Right. So I think the biggest thing you can do is to inspire Mm -hmm. and support and tell people how much you love them and that you want them to be around for this reason and and like scolding them or making them feel bad about it. It's not going to necessarily make any difference, right? Just like, um, you know, growing up, you, you felt bad about feeling bad when you had nothing tragic happen. But some people that would listen to the story might be like, well, it was tragic what you had to go through with your dad. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's all on different levels. It's all different perspectives. Yeah. And then, you know, and he's not like a happy drunk, you know? Right. So it, right. there were some things I think I saw as a kid that stick with you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, I've told one therapist one time what it like a few things that had happened yeah. and it like immediately brought on like tears. Like I'd never told anyone and it's just, you know, it's like, I don't want, you know, like I've said this a million times already, but I just don't want my kids to go through that. Yeah. And, you know, it just, um, but I think too, like if I sat my dad down and I talked to him, I think it would probably come from a different space than where and my mom, my parents are both very high strung. So I grew up in a very like high anxious, yeah. high stress, high strung environment. Um, and I'm very much like type F if that's even a thing, <laughs> like very scattered, very messy, not dirty, but I just, I am who I am. And right. so, um, I think, you know, if I sat my dad down and talked to him, it might not necessarily mean more, but just like, I think coming from your own kid, I'm sure it's like, wow, she really notices it because we never really had the conversation about it. Yeah. And um, I'm sure my mom, when she talks to my dad about it, I'm sure she's nice. But I also know sometimes when my mom is like trying to tell you something, it can come off a little, you know. Right. Right. Harsher than it means. And to. I always say the best time to talk about something serious is when you are not fighting. Like I, yes, we make sure that, that you know, things are like good. You, you talk about it when things are like, you know, everyone's on an even keel and, and there's no, um, high stress situations going on. Yeah. It comes from a place of love yeah. versus a place of like control. Yeah. And that's the best way to get a result is, is doing it when, there's no argument. Yeah. You know? Um, so I guess I would just encourage you. Gosh, I didn't even know we we're going to talk about. This I know stuff. I didn't either. <laughs> I like, took a complete turn, but it's kind of a good backstory for how I like, right, right. Where we're going to go next. Yeah. I guess I would just say, you know, I would take a chance to talk to him in person. I'm, I feel like you see your parents decently like yeah I mean they quite a bit right oh yes um probably every two to three months like, yeah it's yeah it's hard because I don't necessarily get we don't get paid when we take time off sure. but it's like I feel like right now I kind of have to make a point to go see my parents just yeah. because they are older and yeah. stuff and um it's tough so I would just you know set up a little excursion with them separately or yeah. like if he likes to go fishing still or go you yeah. know set up a fishing and just 
I, it's really hard to start that conversation, but you don't want to look back and say, I should have. Yeah. You know, I agree. I just don't want to like something to happen and be like, man, I wish like three years ago, I just had said something, right. you know, and I don't also want to have that like, you know, feeling like we should have talked right. and then he's not right. available to right. talk or something. But I also think it's fair for him to know how you feel about how you grew up, mm-hmm. you know, like not in a, in a, in a blaming way, but yeah. just like, just so you know, this has affected me my whole life and I love you so much, but I am still very much dealing with a lot of the anxiety that stems from my childhood and, and growing up around that sort of environment. And do they know about, you know, your eating disorders and orthorexia? So they do, but, um, I know my mom's going to be listening and (laughs) she's going to take things very personally. So mom, don't take it personally, but, um, but remember it's your story. It is. Yeah. But they never said anything. And I love my parents to death. Yeah. But sometimes I, my mom made a comment and she was like, wow, remember how good you looked, mm. you know, like three years mm-hmm. ago. And I was like, yeah, remember how unhealthy also, I, yeah, was? Yeah. I was not eating. So, yeah. Yeah. um, uh, so they did know, and we just never talked about it. It but just, is it like a perfectionist thing though? Like it's so weird. Cause I, it must be how I'm type A or something mm-hmm. or how I am a perfectionist because no, but I'm talking about your mom. Oh, her. Yes. Right. So oh, yes. Seeing it from the outside. Like yes. she's the artist that all looks good. As long as it looks good. Yes, we're good. Exactly. When in reality, it's like, no, I'm, I'm not good. I'm mm-hmm. struggling a hundred percent. Yeah. And my mom's never one to pretend we have a white picket fence and everything's great. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that we ever talked about my dad's issues to anybody, but right. Um, cause my mom didn't want to air all of our dirty laundry, but, um, it's just, she never, I, I don't know. I, I guess she just wanted to seem like everything was fine right. and I wasn't necessarily, you know, not well. Right. I right. seemed like I was doing well and, and it's not like I look emancipated and, you right. know, in that sense. And I think emaciated, emaciated, yeah. emaciated. <laughs> I knew what you meant. I knew emancipated is when you like you, you're like 15 and you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to live with my parents anymore. anymore." Well, that's true too. You emancipate yourself. Maybe this is like a very subconscious thing that's happening right now. Wow. Oh my God. I'm like crying. I'm laughing. But that's, that's funny. You said that. So we're going to, we're going to transition into the eating disorders, the orthorexia. But I was just having this conversation with a a guy friend of mine the Mm. other day. And he's like, he, his argument was, you know, if you're bulimic, you look emaciated and you look unhealthy. I'm like, you have no clue how many women are struggling with eating disorder disorders that actually look healthy. Yep. And that's, I was going to say that too. It's like literally anybody can have like a disordered eating something going on, you know, and it's, um, and funny enough, um, I don't know if Kevin's going to hate me for saying this, but he actually went through disordered eating in college. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a pretty serious triathlete, did the whole Ironman thing. Yeah. Um, so, um, and most people just think, oh, it's like, you know, a tiny white woman who's going through this eating disorder. But I mean, it affects all kinds of people, yeah. you know, and most people don't think of men to have an eating disorder sure, either. Sure. Um, or somebody in fitness. Yeah. Right. Exactly. They think like we're well balanced. Right. We know how to eat and right. whatever. But I mean, so I think it started, it actually started because of a whole 30 and not to 
bash on this anyone yeah. and i think whole 30 is a great program for learning ingredients and real food right and whole foods um and how to nourish your body so i really do think it's a great program however not for someone necessarily like me so it really started i graduated college in like 2015 um then i moved to atlanta kind of late 2015 got a job Mm -hmm. um and i was someone that always i guess if i think i'm having a really long-winded answer right here but if i like start like a few years ago in college like went to college gained like 40 pounds (laughs) had a good time and then even though i was a college athlete um And then lost it all in the summer. Yep. Parents never said anything to me, never really, you know, made comment to my body. Sure, sure, sure. I remember someone saying like, wow, Sarah got strong in college um, when I was playing golf. And I was like, oh, gosh. That was their like definition of Of how you looked. Being bulky and kind of bigger. Hey, guys, it's Megan. I'm excited to introduce you to our new sponsor, ProVital Solutions. ProVital is a wellness solutions company that I'm proud to partner with to bring you this episode of Six Feet Above. They are passionate about health, wellness, and community. Their first two product lines are the purest, highest quality hemp oil supplement products on the market. I'm a fan of the PVS team and I've been using the ProVital Full Spectrum Oil and the ProVital Performance Gummies for the past few weeks. ProVital Solution products are quickly becoming the preferred choice of athletes, health and wellness advocates, and even active octogenarians. In fact, the PGA has approved the ProVital Performance product line, and PGA rookie Matt Neesmith is a part of the PVS team. Please visit ProVitalSolutions.com to read more about this wonderful company and use the code six feet above at checkout to get 5% off on all products you purchase. So you gained 40 pounds and everyone just assumed that you were uh, just meteor? Just meteor. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, you know, lifted some weights, um, which everyone's like, oh, lifting weights makes you bulky, which no, it does not. Right, right, Um, right. So it's what you eat and what you drink. So I had a great time in college. I mean, I was going to the club, rolling to workouts the next morning, like puking in the trash can. My coach was like, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) Um, But um, so gained 40 pounds, lost it that summer went back sophomore year thought and did, I feel like did you lose it in a healthy way no oh, okay. oh no okay. I mean I was working out probably three hours a day playing golf but I did I will say I did not care about what I ate okay but I also was like what are you like 18 19 right you know so right. like you're still a teenager you right know, right good, good metabolism Your metabolism's still yeah up there it's still running so um so I still ate um like Doritos in the summer mm-hmm. and like um I didn't really understand ingredients and right. stuff. And I will say growing up, I grew up in a very healthy household. Like my mom was making cauliflower mash in the nineties mm. before, like it was kind of a thing and zoodles and all this stuff. Um, but I didn't necessarily get into like understanding where food came from and all right. of that kind of later on in life. Got it. So I just thought, you know, like the baked chips were healthy, you know, right. like that standard right, American. Right, right, kind right, of thing. Right. Yeah. So I was still eating that and then went back sophomore year. I think I, had a slight eating disorder but like didn't necessarily have one because I would still like try to restrict but then I would binge thinking I was okay to binge because I restricted all week yeah but I still ended up gaining weight lost it that summer gained weight lost weight that whole thing so this went on all of college all of college yep and if you look at my college graduation picture I mean 
I already have a round face and so it is <laughs> so round um but I don't regret it at all I mean everyone in college you know that yeah. is like a yeah. little bit meatier so um it was great um and I'm just not someone that is naturally very thin mm -hmm. like I have a very athletic body um and I used to kind of hate that growing up and Same. I you know it's like in high school I was like oh I'm so fat I was like a size zero like, right right on and I remember someone in high school said they're like you work out and play golf all the time like why aren't you like super defined and toned I was mm. like what like so yeah. that like stuck with me when I was in high school but um got over that but uh so graduated 2015 moved to Atlanta kind of late 2015 trying to figure out if I was going to play golf or not right. and I was still playing on some lower level professional tours like there's the LPGA Symmetra and there's just some like lower tours you can okay. play on so just did not like it I mean but you did that here in Atlanta in Florida sorry. oh in Florida okay yeah. okay so spent college in Macon then moved back home to Florida got it okay yeah so um and I just didn't know anyone in West Palm Beach. I didn't make the effort to like really make friends right. and stuff. And um, I just really had no idea what I was doing. And so I just made a really quick call and I was like, I'm moving to Atlanta. Um, I was a marketing major in college because I was like, oh, it's easy. I'll get, you know, easy, like A's or right, whatever. Right. <laughs> like didn't think about what I actually wanted to do if golf didn't work out because I didn't think that was a thing. Sure. So um did marketing, got a job in Atlanta with basically cold calling and sending, uh, like emails. Uh -huh. It was like, uh, medical sales kind okay. of, a, or medical software sales, okay. which would have been super, super lucrative had I stayed. But, um, <laughs> after two months I decided I didn't really want to do it. And so I walked in and quit, called my dad and he was like, what do you mean you just quit? And I said, well, I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so I left the job and my dad's like, well, do you have a job lined up? And I was like, no. no. And so I have very fortunate uh, situations. So my parents helped me live for about two or three months until I got my next job. Yeah. But, um, so that's about 2016. And, um, then I just got a secretary job at a construction company and just did that because I was like, I have no experience. Right. I've never had a job, never had an internship, really. I've been like a cocktail waitress at yeah. a nice bar in Palm Beach. And that's about it. So I was like, I'll just start at the very bottom. And um, so it's about the youngest, about 12 years there. Okay. So there's a pretty big age gap. So I didn't really ha have a chance to make friends there. Right. Whereas that first job, everyone was like my age. And I didn't really think about making, f I don't know. I, I mean, I have so many regrets which I shouldn't say but you know it's like why didn't I just stay stop, and just, stop judging yourself yeah but anyway it's so, your story exactly it's okay and so um I was working at the secretary job it started like March 2016 or April 2016 I still hadn't met Kevin at this point yeah. so um didn't know him and I was still going out and drinking on the weekends and stuff and like I like to go out and have a good time and then um but I wasn't seeing the results like in my body because I was like mm -hmm. working out a lot and um at that time I was going to Rock House oh yeah yes I remember so that TVT to Rock House that was a great wow. place yeah so I met a lot of girls through that but um and I just thought Atlanta would be great because like I knew people from college that were moving to Atlanta but none of my super super close friends ended up here yeah so I was kind of bummed out about that because they all ended up going to grad school so um I um, started this job in May, 2016 is when I did a whole 30 because okay. I was like, well, I'm drinking, I'm doing all this and I'm not seeing results in my body. So I did a whole 30 and I lost weight like immediately. Mm. Um, and not that I was ever, uh, 
big, but it just had, you know, um, just more weight on my yeah. body than yeah. I feel like I needed. And it was probably inflammation to be honest. Sure. Um, so I learned how to eat. I learned what was good and like, or I shouldn't say good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just healthy foods. Yeah, yeah. And what really nourishes your body. Um, but didn't really teach me balance. And so I was like, wow, paleo is the only way to eat. I have to eat everything that is like vegetables, fruits, you know, meat from the farm down, right <laughs> down the lane or whatever. Um, no breads, no pasta, like basically no carbs. Um, but I was sleeping great. And, you know, I felt amazing. I ended up kind of losing touch and uh, lose not necessarily losing friends because I think they would be fine if I reached out today but right. almost basically losing touch with the girls that I was going out with um just because you were becoming obsessed about what was going yeah in your body. so who knows if I wasn't they must have not been the best of friends you know right. and um so yeah I just became obsessed with it and that whole summer of 2016 I ate whole 30 I I could tell you exactly what I ate for breakfast lunch and dinner um, for literally three months, mm. did not veer from it. Um, I did flywheel three times a week. I did Labrie two times a week. And then I worked out with a trainer twice a week. So I literally had no days off and I would do yoga in the evening after work because I worked with people that, you know, were much older, most right. in their 40s and 50s. And so they didn't really care what I was doing or right. happy hour with me. So um, it just basically gave me an out to kind of be like super introverted and I got obsessed with like eating perfectly. And I was like, I was like, wow, my body finally looks how I've always wanted it to, you know, super lean. I mean, I was a size double zero though. Mm. And I mean, and at the time I didn't think I was small. I, you know, like I just thought I looked normal. Yeah. But if you look at pictures of me, of me, I mean, I'm 10% body fat and I'm five, three for reference, but 10% body fat. I was like a hundred pounds. I mean, so tiny, which is so dangerous for a female. So dangerous. Didn't have a period. For mm-hmm. years. Um, and then, um, I met Kevin October, 2016 or September, 2016. Um, sometime around then we met at a mutual friends dinner and, and honestly, I feel like I, and I was just so fresh to Atlanta. So I guess I'm 23 at that time. And, I missed out on so many friendships mm-hmm. of meeting new people. And like the girl who introduced Kevin and I, I really owe, owe her a phone call or a text um, because she didn't know me at the time. Mm-hmm. So she didn't know I was struggling or what I was going through. Um, she is my college best friend's childhood best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so my best friend Meredith from college, um, her best friend Rachel introduced Kevin and I because it was her birthday dinner. And that. For some reason at this time in my disordered eating, I was still, I started to kind of go out to dinners Mm -hmm. kind of a little bit. I was nervous. I was going to gain like 20 pounds the next morning. But, um, (laughs) uh, so I went out to her birthday dinner because she had just moved to Atlanta and Meredith's like, you guys will be the best friends. Like, and I honestly think we really would, would or could still be really good friends. Um, we're very similar. She loved flywheel, like worked out, um, together and stuff, um, like to eat good food and go out and, um, and also likes to stay in. (laughs) But, um, so, uh, met her or met Kevin there. We ended up like going to the Ivy after that, that night, which was like a big night for me (laughs) in that time. And, um, it's a big night for people right now. Yeah. It's just (laughs) opened again. Yeah. And, um, from 
there with Kevin, it's basically history. Like, I don't know how Kevin dated me, but he did. Um, but, uh, so with the girl, Rachel, who introduced Kevin and I, um, it was like, we would like make plans and then I would always cancel Mm. and then reschedule and then cancel again. And she got so frustrated with it. She was like, like, do you not like me? Like, what am I doing wrong? You know? And she thought, I think she thought it was something on her or that I just really didn't want to be her friend or something, which a hundred percent could see that. And I just wish I had had someone in Atlanta. I was close enough to, to be like, what is going on with you? Like, what you're doing is not normal. And I just never had that. Like, so were you canceling because you were afraid to go out mm-hmm. and like, I was or afraid. eat dinner, like, yeah. or like be around. I was afraid to go off track. Mm. And I was already going off track because I was dating Kevin, who Got was it. taking me to all these fun dinners and we were going out, staying out late, yeah. drinking. And um, so I just didn't want to like get back into that routine of going out so much right. where um, I started to gain a bunch of the weight back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really kind of continued through 2017 and I was afraid to have Kevin over at my place for a while. Cause I didn't want him to see like what I ate. Mm-hmm. Like I was almost ashamed of like how rigid I was with mm-hmm. what I ate. Um, and I don't think he knew how like nervous I was going out to dinners with him. Um, at first, yeah. um, just to eat the food. Um, but then it got really bad in like 2017 too. And, um, it's funny. I like talk to, I'm really close to my sister-in-laws They're mm-hmm. like my sisters basically. Um, but so Kevin has a twin brother and he has an older sister. Okay. He has two older sisters actually. Um, he has a half sister too. Okay. Um, but I was talking to one of my sister-in-laws who's Kevin's twin brother's wife. Okay. Um, we went on a big family trip in 2017 and I remember I was so nervous for it. I was like, how am I going to work out? What am I going right. to eat? Right. Uh, I mean, not having that control over food was like so gave me so much anxiety um it's just it makes me so sad how much I missed out on life in those like two years um so we went to the Caymans um and it it was fine and I don't know if his family necessarily knew what I was going through I'm sure you could definitely tell because I mean like I woke up we ran seven miles in the morning and I was not a runner but I would Mm -hmm. get up and run um I actually was training for a half marathon at that time too, but I still didn't want to run. It was, I'll get into that, I guess a little bit, but, um, but I was talking to Melissa who is, um, the sister-in-law I was talking about, um, just recently and, um, telling her that like when I was in the Caymans, like my eating disorder was like full on, like I was scared to eat and like, I would eat like a poached egg in the morning. I mean, I ate so few calories when I was like at home, like yeah. my only carb was a small sweet potato at lunch. Mm. I mean, crazy. Like now I eat so much bread now. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how, how I did it. Um, but I guess when you're alone mm-hmm. and like you're single and stuff, I just felt like, like, I don't know. I just got into a routine and right. just stuck to it, right. you know? And it's easy to do when you don't have like a roommate or, right. you know, someone else there. Um, and Kevin kind of started to disrupt disrupt it and um <laughs> in a good way yeah um but i got back from the caymans and then i actually had a girl's trip in vancouver which i didn't even fully enjoy myself there we ran the lululemon half marathon uh-huh. which i was crazy and did not train for it and ran it in an hour and a half 
so sore. I like physically could not walk, but I was like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> We're like walking around all these towns in Vancouver. I was like, I'm good. Um, cause one of my college teammates is from Canada. So we like a bunch of us like flew yeah. out there. Um, and, um, so, you know, everyone's like drinking and doing all this stuff, but I, like wouldn't touch the alcohol, you know, and yeah. they wanted to order like Papa John's. I would, could not do it. I had to find like a healthy spot. Um, and I felt like when I got back from anything, I had to like restart, right. get back into my routine. And then at some point I started to notice I was gaining weight back, mm. I think late 2017 into 2018. And I think it was a combination of like one, not being able to eat what I normally did because mm-hmm. at that point I was living with Kevin. We moved in pretty quickly. Um, did he know what was going on? I don't, I don't know. Mm. I, I think he knew something was going on. And of course, now he really knows. Right. And he was like, I'm. He's going to know now. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to find out. But he knows. I mean, I'm not going to lie. To this day, I still will say things like, man, I feel really guilty for us just eating out like three days in a row. Yeah. And he's like, it's it's okay, Sarah. Like, you know, he's so patient with me. And I honestly, I really need to see a therapist, but it's expensive, you know? Yeah. Um, I just kind of need to invest that time and money into it. Um, especially when we start having kids, especially if we have any daughter or son really either. Like, you know, I can remember, um, you know, I think my mom is always conscious of her body growing Mm up. Um, so I think it just kind of, your kids kind of do what, you know, your parents are doing. So Kevin's like, you know, if we have kids, like you cannot be saying things like this around them. You can't like look at your stomach in the mirror, which is something I had to get over where you like lift your shirt up in the morning, see how flat your stomach yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, been there, done that. Yes. <laughs> so, um, just, it's just crazy. And, um, I just feel so bad f- that I just got into that crazy mindset. You know, it's like, so I'm hearing, I'm here. Yeah. You're, you're, I feel like you are still very much in that space yep. and you haven't, and I'm going to speak from experience. I've been, I mean, I've been anorexic in my teenage years. I'm six feet tall. There was a point in my life when I weighed 135 pounds. Oh my gosh. And I was a size two. I mean, that is like so small for and I'm a your big height. human being. I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm not small framed. Right. Um, but I was anorexic in my teens and it was because of swimming and things that my coach said and you know, the whole sports thing. But then as I got into my twenties, it became bulimia. And I think there are times, and I was really open with this a few episodes ago that I still have slip ups. Mm -hmm. It's still there. Yeah. And I think the most important part and the best part of a situation like this, especially with females and eating disorders and and even men, you know, they deal with it. They, they are less likely to talk about it, but is to be able to get to a point in your life when you can look at yourself in the mirror Mm -hmm. and be like, I don't care that you slipped up. It's okay. I still love you. And you actually have grace and compassion for yourself and what you're going through versus, you know, you get up the next day and you make yourself go run and you make yourself do something as if it's like you're, you're, paying for it right like okay I ate a huge dinner last night and I've got a they always say like don't do things because of what your body you know can or can't do do it because it's able to do it right you know so I think for you you're still in that space where you haven't 
come to that place yet where you can actually have some compassion and, and go yeah. out and not feel anxious or feel guilty. Yes. And I will say like I was um, talking to my OBGYN who's great actually. Um, she um, like we've talked long through cause I was worried my eating disorder uh, would hinder us getting pregnant sure. in the future. Um, but um, you know, she told me there's like a difference between like, you know, feeling guilty or kind of wondering like, do, should I really eat this or not? Like in the moment, um, you know, guilt, she was like, if you feel guilty, like four days after like mm. eating that ice cream, you know, that's something that you kind of want to think about, but it's also about, you know, also being mindful because you don't want to just eat ice cream all the time right. either, you know, like for every meal, not saying it's bad to eat after dinner every right. night, you know, but, um, so I hope that came out right. But um, how she said it kind of like really clicked with me because I do, I still am, you know, trying to get through it. And I don't know when or if I could ever be a hundred percent. But for the most part, I'm pretty good at just like eating it and moving on with my life. Yeah. Um, I will say for the first time in a very, very long time, I literally will wake up and be like, what does my body want to do today? Do I want to mm. do Legree? Do I want to do yoga? Um, do I want to lift weights? Yeah. You know, so I'm pretty in tune with my body now. And I actually probably eat like three or four slices of bread daily. Like, yeah. and I don't worry if I'm, I don't eat a ton of vegetables anymore. Like, I don't know if I like literally exhausted salads because I ate so much salad yeah. during that time. And my body just like cannot digest like vegetables anymore, I feel like. Um, so if like two years ago, if I knew I was going to be eating how I eat now, which is like pretty carb heavy and like, you know, I eat a lot of like avocado and peanut mm -hmm. butter and a ton of fruit. I think I would be like, what? Like, no way. Um, so I'm pretty in tune with like, how I want to eat and I don't have a ton of guilt it's more just sometimes for some reason and I definitely need to see a therapist about it but it's like if I went to upbeat and I got a great salad mm -hmm. I would not con sometimes like definitely in my past would not consider that a healthy meal mm -hmm. because I didn't make it I didn't know what went into mm -hmm. it so that's something else I'm kind of working through yeah it's definitely not something like I'm at the point where like if a friend is like on a Tuesday, like, Hey, you want to go get drinks and do this and that? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You know, we're at a time when I was really struggling. I would never do that. Right. I'd be like, right. why don't we go in a week so I can plan this right. and I can work out extra, um, which I wouldn't tell them, but in my head, I was yeah, like yeah, thinking yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, it, it's just, it's just funny, you know, it's just like, the only time I thought I was eating healthy was like if I was eating at home and I had to eat a certain amount of meals at home, I could only have like one cheat meal, you know, right. quote, quote, cheat unquote. meal. Yeah. 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 Uh, cheat meal a week. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, I just, you know, it's funny. It's like my mom's always like, I don't want to be 20 unless I could go back and be 20 with what I know now. Right. Of course. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, we all want that. But, um, but I now like fully understand that because yeah. I'm like, wow. And looking back, like even in high school and college, I feel like I missed out on some friendships because I was kind of one introverted because I think of like the dad issues right. and stuff right. growing up. Um, and then also just like being like in college, I started to develop that 
like I said, kind of restriction. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily go to every like little thing. Right. So I think I missed out on a lot too. Um, even though I had a great experience, I think I didn't have the full experience I could have had and just like live the life, done the college thing. If I gained 20 pounds, I gained 20 pounds and moved on with my life. I think it's important to, to understand too, that like when we go through things throughout our life, we're never fully healed. Yeah. I, I truly don't think that. I think we're always healing. Yeah. And there are stages of our life where we don't actually have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And then stages where it kind of comes up again. Yeah. And for me, I've had to learn what works best for me. Yeah. And especially last year with what I went through and then this year with Corona and what everyone's going through, it's like, I just have to be more aware and cognizant and practice the things that I know make me healthy. Right. Um, And especially when it, when it comes to food, what does that look like? Totally. And I think that's something, and people always ask me like, how did you like stop having your disordered eating? And I'm like, I don't know if it really ever stopped, but it got a lot better. Or I got, you're learning, learning, you're educating yourself. You're you're learning, and, and, and we have to go back to the fact that like you can get a huge salad and like if there's sh- crap food in it, right? It's not necessarily healthy. Uh, yes. So the foods that you're thinking, you know, that's what orthorexia is. Yeah. These foods that you quote unquote think are healthy, you can overeat as well, mm-hmm. and it can do a real number to your body. Yeah. Right. 100%. So just, I think it's all about learning what works for your body, what your body craves. There's a lot of people that fruits and vegetables bother their stomach. Yep. And I think I'm one of those people yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, you know, is, is again, it's, it's all about taking your, your health into your own hands Yeah, and, and learning that like what you do with the food that you're consuming, knowing how much of an effect it actually has on your mental health too. Yeah. Not only of the control, but the, the gut health and the, the lining of your microbiome and, and all the stuff that goes on with the gut brain connection. Yeah. Which is something I've talked to Kristen about a while ago. So I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what you do with the next couple of years, knowing that you do want a family. Yeah. And, um, Kevin's going to like kill me for saying this, but I, we want to start trying pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I want to start trying soon. I don't know if I'm necessarily ready, but I've just, I've, if I given the opportunity, like I wanted to be kind of a younger mom yeah. and you know, I got kind of lucky meeting Kevin at 23 and, right, right. um, getting married pretty quickly. So, um, and having older parents too, you know, I want them to be around as much as they can for the right, kids we do right. have. Um, and I'm not necessarily, and I don't know what it is like to have a kid. So I'm just <laughs> speaking here, but, um, you know, my mom's like, it's not going to stop your life when you have a kid, right. you know? And you know, she's like, just know that it's not going to be all about you, which, right. you know, as an only child, it's only ever been about right, you. Right. Um, so I am curious about it. And, um, you know, it's funny. I feel like I just literally woke up one day and just like realized I was having an eating disorder. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, you don't necessarily know you're in it. You know that you're doing something probably not normal, mm-hmm. but you're like, wow, I look so good. And yeah. then it's just like one day in 2018, yeah. I think I just like realized, whoa, yeah. like, what am I doing? And then I was doing way too much high intensity working out. Right, right. I went to like opposite way. Yep. And I started to get pretty puffy with that. So <laughs> that's a whole story in itself. And uh, 
took two months and actually like really didn't work out and just yeah lost a ton of water weight which wow yeah so I've been all over the place I've you know gained a ton of weight I've lost a ton of yeah. weight and yeah um and that's not great for your body either the right. whole yo-yo dieting right. too right um so yeah so now I'm just trying to like really try to be intuitive with my eating which I know people probably probably are tired of seeing on Instagram like if you follow any RDs they're right. all like you know for or pushing that um yep, yep but it's really true like once you kind of get in tune with your body like you said like what I eat for or it's funny like when you follow influencers and stuff and it's like when they're posting like oh this is what I eat and mm-hmm. how I eat in a day and this works for me and I you know intermittent fast or skip breakfast right, whatever right. you want to call it and I mean that's great that it works for them, but I think you have to take everything kind of with a grain of salt. Like that's not going to work for yourself, you know, always. So it's kind of like trial and error, you know? And I feel like I'm just really, once I'm calm and chill around food, I really just eat till I'm satisfied. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of, I'm like, that was good. And I move on. And I also too, instead of like eating around that dessert or something, um, I used to think like, okay, I have to have, you know, a really balanced dinner and then I can have my dessert. But now I make this really good, like, and granted it's healthy, like yeah. a chickpea date cookie dough recipe. Yeah, I saw that on your It Instagram. is so good. <laughs> I think I screenshot On the stat wellness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is yeah. so good. Yeah. And I think it's a take on the girl who runs Tasty as Fit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, she has great recipes, but, um, I like took her recipe and just kind of made it a little bit simpler. It is so good. I literally could eat the whole thing. And sometimes I do for dinner and I'm like, I'm satisfied. I'm done. And it's like, I almost just feel more calm in my body. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my digestion is better. And just, um, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not holding on to, I know it sounds not to talk about our, you know, bodies, but I feel almost slimmer in a way. Mm -hmm. And not that that's what I'm, aiming for by any means but I just feel like I'm giving my body what it needs and it's just moving on you know I think you're uh, I mean it's pretty clear that like your eating issues are directly correlated with your anxiety and your anxiety is directly correlated with your eating issues so until you've got you know, the anxiety and dealing with what you've been through as a kid and how it's affected you and the control and the, that sort of thing, not, you know, healed again, it's always going to be there. But, but now that you've started that healing process over the past year and a half, the eating disorder, the orthorexia is becoming more control, but it sounds like it's still very much an issue. Yeah. So you're cut, you're actually the first person I've interview that's still, still very much through. in it <laughs> yeah but I'm I'm so grateful that you opened up because I think there's a lot of people that hear the people that come on and they're like that's inspirational and they've gone through yeah. it but to know that somebody's still actually going in yeah. it and you're open about it is huge and you know being able to have a an actual candid conversation and say like I'm I'm still struggling yeah I mean that's hard it's and really it, hard and to it's do. hard too because I feel like I mean, I feel a lot better now about it, but like it, I get like anxiety around meeting new people and anxiety about, you know, all kinds of things. I'm like, are they going to find out that especially at the time when I was really in the thick of it, like Mm -hmm. that I eat, you know, pretty strictly and stuff like that. So, um, and it's funny, like I would eat like large quantities of salad because I was starving and it's like, you know, people at the office would always be like, wow, you like eat 
so much salad and I'm like yeah I'm starving (laughs) um (laughs) um, but yeah it's I'm still you know I feel like I'm kind of on the upward trend now for sure but um still something that's always kind of in the back of my mind and it's you know it's sometimes I like I definitely used to even get nervous going to my in-laws house where it's not like I can control it versus mm. like my parents where I can be like I'm not eating this I'm right not eating that right right um but it's gotten a lot better and Kevin's always been a good advocate for me and sometimes you know if like one of my in-laws is like well let's go to this Chinese restaurant and Kevin's like no I don't want to do that I'm like are you saying no because you don't mm. want to do it or are you saying no because you know I probably right. wouldn't be my first choice so that's a conversation Kevin and I have to have because I get nervous that his family is like has to cater around me. Right, right. I don't think they think that at all because I know I love them. They love me. But um, so it's um, that's still kind of fresh yeah. is like just letting Kevin know like I'm OK. I right. will find something to eat. And if I don't, I'll just eat whatever, right. you know, like it's it's OK. Yeah. Um, And also telling myself that it's OK, too. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing is yeah. is. And I think the one thing about this year is it's kind of putting things into perspective, whether you're dealing with an eating disorder or mental health or whatever, it's like, good Lord, is anything really that big of a deal? Exactly. That's how I feel right now. I'm like, oh, and in 10 years, I'm going to look back and be like, why did I care about what my body looked like? Why did I think? Yeah. Well, you're already doing that. You're looking back at you when I was 18, 19. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, missed out on this or missed out on that. So if you can kind of take, that knowledge and apply it to what you're going through right now. Yeah. Maybe it will help you kind of shift the perspective and the narrative in your head and, yeah. and create that compassion and that grace and that, Hey Sarah, it's you're it's okay. Yeah. You know? And, um, I'm just grateful that you were, you were completely open and honest. With yeah. It and, <laughs> it's a great little session, <laughs> but you're, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching fitness. You're doing all the things that you need to do to keep moving forward and that's huge and one of the biggest things is being able to kind of admit it yep you know for so long we deny we deny we deny i'm healthy i'm healthy i'm healthy i'm stepping on the scale three times a day like that's not healthy but now you're able to say like this is what i've gone through still going through it and Mm -hmm. that is huge that's a big step in the right direction yeah and people always ask me they're like um how is it working in fitness when you can be when i was so obsessive about Mm -hmm. it which is what orthorexia is I guess it's like a newer term I feel Mm -hmm. like or maybe a term that people haven't used until recently so um but I mean it hasn't changed if anything it's almost made me feel like better in the sense because I feel like I'm finally doing something I love Mm -hmm. and I can relax and corporate was tough for me because I had to like sit at a desk right and I couldn't leave and I was getting super anxious about stuff and um but it gives me kind of some freedom to like kind of connect with who I am again yeah. and just heal from what I did go through. Sure. And um and sometimes I even feel guilty cuz I left corporate and I'm like, man, I, you know, left a big, you know, salary and right. benefits and right. granted I'm married, but um but Kevin's like, you know, this makes you a 100 times happier like just you know, what you're doing now is going to prepare you for what we want to do in 10 years. Right. Which ideally would be to open my own you know, studio possibly somewhere. So, um, you know, I don't know. So I'm just kind of, I'm on that journey. (laughs) Yeah. You are on that journey and I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. And if, if we want to find you, what's your, what's your Insta name? Yes. So it's, um, for those that know me, it used to be sweaty city chick, 
but had to kind of put that to bed because uh-huh. that kind of perpetuated it did yeah perpetuated it and also just became forceful for me and I'm just influencers kudos to you because that's a tough right tough job um so it's now um Instagram is at Sarah with an H Brown Laterberg it's a nice (laughs) mouthful right there and it's Laterberg with a D not a T there you go (laughs) yeah so that's well well, I'll I'll make sure to tag you on the description perfect and I appreciate your time and thank you for being on six feet above this episode was sponsored by pro vital solutions make sure to visit provitalsolutions.com and enter six feet above at checkout to get your 5% discount. Thank you for listening to this episode of the six feet above podcast. I'm your host, Megan Armstrong. Subscribe so you never miss another episode as a new episode is released every Tuesday. And if you're enjoying the series, please give us a five star review on Apple podcast. Follow the show on Instagram at six feet above podcast to keep the conversation going and feel free to reach out to me directly at Megstagram 11. This episode is a product of audiographies produced by Megan Armstrong and Denor Sapolia edited by Jacob Smolian and the music is by Keenan Willis. I'll see you next time.